This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, is it possible that we are actually going to see some ride hailing in this province? It feels like it was one of those things that we were going to talk about forever, but it wasn't actually going to materialize. And now... We hear this morning the official announcement from the ride-hailing company Lyft saying that it will operate in Metro Vancouver and they expect to by the end of this year. However, they are saying that the NDP government's requirement of that Class 4 commercial license means that they will not yet be able to operate in other parts of the province. Let's break this all down now. Is this a win for the government or do you think, I don't know if everybody's going to be happy about this yet. Let's talk about it with Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Simi. Okay, so it's actually going to happen. Well, yes, but we don't know how widespread it's going to be. Even Lyft, uh, 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 in its announcement today, acknowledges it may be a challenge to find enough drivers with Class 4 licenses uh, to meet what could be a considerable demand for ride-handling services in Metro Vancouver. Interestingly enough, they're only confining their operations initially to Metro Vancouver, not the Okanagan, not over here in the capital. Uh, I do think, actually, ride-hailing is a much bigger issue in Metro than it is in, in other jurisdictions. But uh, I think Lyft blinked here. They had said a few months ago, if the Class 4 restriction or requirement stays on the books, we don't think we can operate in B.C. with that type of restriction. Well, uh, the government has stuck fast to its position that this was a deal-breaker for them. And I think Lyft has, has blinked here. Uh, because I think they see the Metro Vancouver market as so lucrative, potentially lucrative, that uh, even with a, a sort of smaller number of uh, Class 4 drivers, they still think they can make a, a go of it in the marketplace. But I don't think you're going to see a radical uh, difference anytime soon. This is supposed to start in the fall, but we're still are waiting for the Passenger Transportation um, Board to set the boundaries over where, where um, taxis, these ride-hailing services can operate, and also how many licenses can actually be held Right. by the company. So there's still a lot of I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed here before we get to a full market model of ride hailing. Right, because the boundaries issue, that's the big one, right? Because that's really mm-hmm. what's prevented many taxis for, pro- from providing the kind of service that people want. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's the uh, inability to you know, uh, drive someone to Delta and then pick someone up in Delta and drive them back to Vancouver. That's, uh, the boundaries are very restrictive. Uh, the taxi companies have been very protective of those things. So each municipal taxi fleet really guards its territory with very jealously. And ride hailing can't really function with those type of restrictions, at least true ride hailing. It'll be a challenge for the board to come up with some b- minimal boundary restrictions that do give uh, operators like Lyft and we think uh, Uber as well when they come in some elbow room to really sort of uh, amplify their services in a way that ride hailing companies operate in other jurisdictions, whether it's you know Toronto and Ottawa or, or any U.S. city. So the other thing out there about this, uh, so we have to go back to last week's announcements by Uber, which announced a staggering $5.4 billion loss yeah. in one quarter. Now, a lot of that was just stock uh, uh, compensation, but still, these companies are losing massive amounts of money. And I've, you know, the New York Times is now questioning, can these these companies continue to exist losing this type of dollars on such a massive scale. And when they keep saying, oh, the, the, the light is just around the corner, no evidence of that yet. So Lyft may be coming in, but you have to question how much longer Lyft and yeah. Uber can continue to survive. Right, because one of the things that has made them attractive in all these other jurisdictions is it's a cheap ride. By the time it gets here, it sounds mm-hmm. like it's no longer going to be a cheap ride. 
Well, you know, we've had in the United States, in 10 cities uh, this year, Uber um, drivers have gone on strike because their pay is so low. And every I've been doing some uh, reading up on some of the analysis of these companies. Two, uh, two things have to happen. Either drivers' wages go down, which and they're already down. These are not full-time jobs. Uh, and this is one reason why I think you've seen the NDP government so slow to, to accommodate this industry because it does not pay people very well. These are not full-time union jobs with benefits. They're low-paying jobs and part-time jobs. So either drivers' wages go down to even lower levels or prices go up. And the, the, you're quite right. The attractiveness of ride-hailing all along has been the relative Absolutely. cheapness and, and availability of the fare as well. It's, it seems purely from a business model uh, point of view, fares have to go up and not down. And so the chief attractiveness of ride hailing may start to ebb away and ultimately disappear altogether. Right. So even though there's still all these questions, though, Keith, can the government, in particular the transportation minister, who hasn't had a good time of this on this file, <laughs> at least say, oh, OK, no, it's coming. Now we know for sure it's coming. Yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a win for uh, for the NDP government. Uh, they stuck to their guns and saying it's we're going to have class four, daring the companies to say, you know, they say at first blush it's a deal breaker, saying, well, after you look at the numbers, maybe it's not a deal breaker for you. And I think right now the NDP can say, well, we stuck to our guns. We're going to get our way. We're going to have uh, what they consider to be safer ride hailing services because of the requirement of class four drivers, but. We'll see how many Class 4 drivers there ultimately turn out to be, how many of these ride-hailing cabs actually turn out to be, and whether or not really the landscape changes that dramatically this fall. I still think it's going to be a slow adjustment. You think so, even though people have such high hopes that we're not going to notice as big of a, a change, perhaps, as people want? I don't think you're going to see the type of ride-hailing availability that you see in major North American markets uh, here because of the Class 4 requirements. And again, because of the, the ongoing financial problems that seem to plague these, these companies such as Uber and Lyft. But, you know, a start is a start. And if the market, again, this is what drives uh, these, these services. If the market proves to be lucrative enough, I think Lyft and Uber will find a way to incentivize drivers to get class four licenses right. because if they see money to be made, they're going to try to make it. Right. Also, I didn't understand why a lot of taxi drivers who don't own their vehicles or own their licenses didn't say like, yeah, I'll go work for them. They've already got the class fours. Yeah. And that, and that may still happen. I mean, that list may still be, uh, you know, work in the industry here, talking to people, trying to collect as many of the already qualified drivers as possible. But again, uh, money talks. Can they make as much money working for Lyft as they do for other companies? We'll see when the boundaries are determined. I think that's going to be a big one. And also how many licenses are actually going to be allowed by the Transportation Board. That's, that's always been a, a, a touchy subject. It's, it's all a, covet, a taxi license is always a coveted one. Yeah. And it's gone up in value tremendously over the years. And that's the other thing to keep an eye on. As Lyft and Uber come in, what does that do to the taxi licenses that some operators pay pretty hefty amounts of money for? Do they go down in value as ride hailing becomes much more widespread? Right. And so when will all the, when are these next steps going to happen, right? September 3rd, they're opening yeah. it up, but then what happens after that? Well, September 3rd, and then we, then we wait for the boundaries from the commission, and there's no indication that's going to come down necessarily in the fall. Some of the taxi associations on Twitter have been saying they've been told that that's probably not going to happen until the spring. Uh, which, again, means a slow evolution here, I think, for, uh, for ride-hailing services to really get uh, boots on the ground here. But uh, the list says they intend to start 
sort of getting everything in order for the fall. But I still don't think we're going to see a real transformation or any noticeable difference. It sounds like probably until the new year. But there will be something available, one assumes, in Metro Vancouver sometime this fall, albeit not on a widespread basis. Right. It's not like they're going to have as many cabs out there as yellow, yellow Vancouver taxis or McClure's or Bonnie's. Right. Okay. And so that's just Lyft, though. We're still waiting for the official word from Uber as well. Do you think this puts pressure on them now to do this? I think Uber will be making an announcement very shortly that uh, they're going to be coming in. Um, and uh, with, uh, they seem to have less objection to the Class 4 requirement than Lyft does. Lyft was really leading the charge here against Class 4. I don't think they're going to stand down their, their opposition to the Class 4. I think they're going to continue with their campaign against it. But uh, in the meantime, I think they, they realize Metro Vancouver is the biggest market in North America that does not have ride-hailing. And you might as well get in there, under, even under restricted circumstances, and see what can be done uh, and try to work the market from that perspective rather than just saying, well, we're going to boycott right. you. So I think Uber's going to be coming in here as well. So, Keith, it sounds like what you're saying is don't get too excited. I wouldn't get too excited just yet, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next spring. If there's a rush of people wanting to take uh, to pay the money and the, the cost of, uh, and time uh, to get Class 4 licenses to work part-time, then, um, yeah, we could have a much more widespread uh, availability of ride-hailing services. But I think it's going to take some time to get to that point. These All along, this has been a baby step process, yeah. uh, unlike other jurisdictions. And it's, you know, it started with the B.C. Liberals in government, B.C. NDP in government. Neither of them really fond of this. The taxi industry is a pretty formidable political lobby in this province. It has a, seems to have a magical spell over both the NDP and the B.C. Liberals. And that spell's not going to go away just because Lyft put out a news release today. Right. All right, Keith, thank you so much for that. Anytime to me. Take care. That's Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, responding to the news that Lyft has officially said that, yes, they're going to go for it.